0: want to encourage you, invite you to grab a Bible, if you would, and turn to Philippians chapter 4. We're going to look this morning at verses 4 through 7. I'm not going to deal with the whole context because that would be a 45-minute message, and you get mad at me, and so would our rector, and so I'm just going to focus in on verses 4 through 7. If you're also looking for some Tattoo advice. This is a tattoo text, is what I call it. So if you're like, want some calligraphy of a verse or something, this is the one. The key to this text, the central idea, if you will, is really seen in verse 7. It's the whole main idea, it's the thrust. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts, guard your minds. In Christ Jesus. This morning we're going to look at one of God's greatest gifts, but it's also one of the most misunderstood gifts as we look at this incredible subject of peace. It doesn't take long living in this world to see that, to see and to feel that peace is fleeting turmoil is, uh, is in us. It is near us. It's around us. It is beyond us. It dominates this fallen world by which we live in. There is an absence of personal peace. There's an absence of family peace. You may be thinking of that with the holidays approaching. Local peace, national peace, international peace peace is fleeting there is no soul living or to which has passed on to the next life that does not seek rest in peace in fact just before the death of our savior Christ gathers his disciples together he says to them in John 16 in this world you will have what trouble T-R-O-U-B-L-E, great country song, if you are like country music. No plainer statement than that. You've got to know this, he says to his disciples. But in the very same breath, he says to them, I tell you this so that you will have what? Peace. Well, that takes us really at the very heart of the question this morning. I think as we think about this subject, and it's, it's this, how can you have peace on one hand, but at the same time have trouble in this world on the other? Because we know that both are simultaneously true. We feel it, we know it, that there's trouble, but we also see it here in the text and we want it, we desire it, we want to feel it, we want to know it. And so, Paul begins to talk about peace. The peace that the Bible speaks about is not absent from conflict. It's not absent from trouble. For those of you that have been going to church long enough, you know this to be true. Christians can be downright mean. This parish has felt that. The church in Philippi right here in our context is feeling that because you see that here in this chapter. Chapter 4 and verse 2 as Paul entreats two women that are here in the church in Philippi that are evidently just slugging it out. They, they didn't get along at all. And so he begins to unpack how to find real peace or this peace that comes from God mentioned in verse 7. And this morning we're going to look at really three what I call relational spears that peace should permeate in your life. The first sphere is your relationship with God himself. The second is your relationship with each other, all right, as brothers and sisters in Christ. And not only your brothers and sisters in Christ, but your neighbors and those that are living near you and with you. And then our last and probably the most important, I wish I could just focus a whole message on this, and it's our relationship with peace, but also with our anxieties of life. So, let's look at the first, your relationship with God. You see that in verse 4. It's exactly where Paul doesn't implicitly glow, but it's, it is somewhat explicit. He, re- he says, rejoice in the Lord. Right? The question of all questions that Paul begins with is, are you in the Lord? Are you rejoicing in the Lord, or, or are you at enmity with the Lord? That's the question. You need to know this morning, and I want to make this crystal clear from this pulpit, you will never know true peace, true lasting peace, if you don't know God. You won't know it. You you may want it, you may desire it, but you'll never know it if you don't know God. You'll never know this peace, true peace, lasting peace if you don't know God. The story of the Bible is really Jesus Christ bringing peace, the peace of God to the human race. And so Advent's coming, right? Peace on earth and what? Goodwill to all men. It's what we hear. So it's peace. Verse 5, verse 6, verse 7 will never be true in your life. There will never be peace that verse 7 speaks about in your life unless you know the Lord as your personal Lord and Savior. That's the foundational question that sets up the entire context. And here at St. Paul's, we want you to be settled on that question. We don't want you to leave here this morning if you're thinking in your mind and in your heart, I don't know if I know Christ. We want you to be settled on that question. Not only you personally but also for your family, your spouse, your husband, your wife, your kids, your grandchildren. We want you as a family to say, listen, we're all going to be together for eternity. And so let's talk about that and reminisce about that. If there's anything that we should rejoice in, it's that we are going to get out of this garbage of a world. (laughs) And be with Christ, where He's going to make everything right again. And so, we want you to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, we say rejoice. This peace comes when you are in a right relationship with God. Here's the second sphere of your relationship with each other. Verse 5, you see it there. Let your reasonableness, let your reasonableness be known to all men the Lord is at hand. Wherever there's conflict like this conflict at Philippi, it's that gracious, right, that gentle diplomatic touch that makes all the difference. The word reasonableness there that you see in the English Standard Version could really be better translated, sweet gentleness. I love that. Let your sweet gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Now, what's this person like that's gentle, that brings reasonableness to your life? It's it's a person who carries a big bucket of mercy. And when that person finds faults and failures and your shortcomings, he or she just starts just dumping that bucket in that direction, that bucket of mercy, that sweet reasonableness, and so let me say a word to so many of you here that are mature believers like myself. I I know you're here, and some of you have grown in your faith, and admirably so, and you've become leaders. You know the Bible. You're Bible experts. You perhaps serve in um, mature leadership capacities, or you have, or you will. And as wonderful as that is, the danger with that is the older and the more advanced that we grow in maturity in Christ, we can sometimes forget what it's like to be newly born, newly liberated in Christ. We forget that, don't we? And so what happens is arrogance begins to creep into our spirits, our life. That's perhaps this kind of the snobbery, the spiritual snobbery starts creeping in and and what we see is people don't feel relaxed being around us. And so we have to remind ourselves of something. I do it to myself typically when I look in the mirror in the morning. I say to myself, you're really not that awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're really not that great. You think that you are, but you're not. You weren't always this knowledgeable about theology and the Bible and, and Jesus. You weren't always so mature as you are now. And so keep that in mind. Give the immature Christians just a little slack. It goes a long ways. A softer touch, gentle touch toward them. The problem is this when we go through just such a harsh world in which we live in we sometimes transmit that harshness onto other people and Paul says don't let it be like that don't be so rigid right husbands don't push every argument to the last ounce with your wife don't present this. I, I'm, your, I'm right in every aspect, and you're wrong in every aspect. I, I grew up in a church like that, very fundamental. We got it all figured out, and everyone else is wrong. And I, as I grew older and matured, I'm like, I, I, don't, like, I don't like how this feels. I don't want to be like that. The rightness of your cause never justifies the harshness of your spirit. Proverbs 15, you know it well, right? A soft answer turns away wrath. It's that soft touch. And when there's conflict in any group or home, church, whatever, it's that soft touch. You need to remember that our Savior said, I am gentle and I'm humble in heart. And you follow men especially. Because men are hearing this in their ears and are like, it sounds like what you're talking about is being soft. And I'm I'm like an F3 guy, right? I do boot camps and I'm like hardcore. You need to remember that you follow that guy that says, I am gentle and humble in heart. So if we follow Him, some of that ought to rub off. And so, if you want to reset your life this morning, this is a good place to start. Let your gentleness be known to all men. In other words, start being famous for your gentleness. Let your reputation be that. Peace with God, peace in our relationships. Lastly, peace through the anxieties of life. Look at verse 6. If you're a worry wart in here this morning... You need to put this on your bathroom mirror. Do not be anxious about anything. I preached this to my mom till she took her dying breath. Anxiety is a thief. It's a thief. It steals your thoughts. It steals your peace. It steals your confidence. It steals your joy. There's a story about a woman who for many years couldn't sleep because she was worried that her home would be broken into by a burglar. It was really just the thought that plagued her thinking for many, many years. Day after day, week after week, month after month, for a number of years, she had this plaguing thought. Well, one one evening, she and her husband were in bed, both heard a noise downstairs, husband jumps out of bed, goes downstairs, and guess what? He's face to face with the burglar. They're both locked eyes. All of a sudden, he sticks out his arm, he says, hey, my name's Jim, can you come upstairs? I want you to meet my wife. She has been waiting to meet you for ten years. Right? The point is simple, isn't it? A burglar will rob you once. But anxiety is going to steal from you for decades in your life. Do not be anxious about anything but. So what's the solution, Paul? How can I, how can I have an anxiety-free life for the most part? So, Paul pivots, and he says, but in everything, by what? It's that word that we often don't like to hear that comes to solving the world's toughest problems, prayer. In contrast, we find the solution to the problem. And if the problem is anxiety, then the solution is replacement. Right? This is great. This is the context by which God gives us replacement therapy. Because Paul is literally saying, do this, don't do this. The cure for worry is to redirect your energy and replace your anxiety. The Bible gives this a name. I mean, this, this isn't rocket science. This isn't theology 101. This is very simplistic. The Bible calls this casting. Casting. Right? We are to cast all of our cares upon Christ because why? Because He cares for us. And so don't carry your cares, right? Many, many of us, we, we come to church on Sunday mornings and it's like you can see it. You, you've been carrying a backpack all week long and it's like that thing is just weighing you down. It's, just, it's your whole countenance you can see it. You can feel it. And Jesus is saying every day, every day, cast all of your cares upon me. Cast your cares. Now, let me close with this. What's the promise? Because this is the climax of the message. You hear it every Sunday when we declare this promise over your life, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. So, notice Paul doesn't say peace with God, but the peace of God. Did you see that? The peace with God happens when you give your life to Christ at the cross, at salvation. But the peace of God happens when you are daily surrendering your life to the Lordship of Jesus. When you daily get on your knees in prayer and supplication, that's when this happens. That's when the peace of God floods over you. And this peace transcends human intellect, Paul says, human analysis. You can, you can try to explain it, but it's very difficult. But I'm going to try. So this peace so picture this, We'll guard your hearts and your minds. Your heart and your mind, this is the problem, is it gets divided. So it can be a feeling of hopelessness, or it can be your mind saying, in all the crud of the world there's no peace because I don't see God anywhere. It can be that thought that starts to divide yourself, your heart, your mind, it will, this piece guards your heart and mind through Jesus Christ. So picture, so here's the picture, right? Let me paint it for you. It's a, it's a guard. It's a sentry. With me, it's a, uh, it's a Scottish warrior with a broadside. He's got a kilt. He plays uh, Amazing Grace with the bagpipes. He's got a blue face, right? That's my guard. That's my sentry because I'm Scottish. And he's got a He's got this broadside, and he's got this stern look on his face, and he's standing at the gate of my heart and my mind. He's the garrison, and he's posted there when thoughts come into my mind or in my heart to divide it, and he says, nope, you're not going there. You are not entering his heart and his mind with these thoughts because I'm the peace of God, and it comes through Christ. I'm standing at this gate, and I'm not letting you disrupt this person who lives in this, who bathes in this, who, who baths in this daily, the peace of God which passes all understanding, will stand garrison. Maybe if with you, it's an umpire. However you want to translate it, he's there. She's there, guarding your heart and mind through. Christ. So, here, here it is. Let me just close with these words. It's, it's hands up, right? It's just hands up in worship on a daily basis. It's worries down. Or in other words, of the hymnist, what a friend we have in Jesus. Jeez. I mean, you know, I'm like, Thinking about this message, I'm just I am brought back to an 8-year-old boy just sitting in a pew with my mom and my dad singing these words. What a friend we have in Jesus all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in in what? In prayer. Oh, what peace We often forfeit, oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. So let's pray. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for this peace that you give through Christ. We want peace with Christ. We want the peace of Christ. And so help us, Holy Spirit, come, and I just pray that you would just flood the hearts and the minds of the people of this parish with peace this morning. May it not be fleeting, but may we know and may we feel that you are the one who gives it all, and we'll thank you for it. In the mighty name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, all God's people said, Amen.